Welcome back to the Jan Arden Podcast. And it's me, Jan Arden, with Caitlin Green and Adam Karsh. Hi! Hey! <laughs> Does that make you think of when you were performing live and were kind of like your little oh, audience? God, don't <laughs> even get me started. It's, oh, uh, sorry. It's kind of sad. Like I was saying to my friend Rose Cousins yesterday, I said, I hope I can remember how to do all this stuff when we do get back at it. Because I think a year probably will have a, a elapsed since I worked. My last job was March the 5th, 6th. So I won't work until May wow. of next year, I don't think. Yeah, they don't think it'll be any earlier than that. But I mean, obviously, it's like, it's like riding a bike. <laughs> Uh, with no seat on it. Uh, oh, that's not a visual I want. I should throw out there. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, God, there's every week that I talk to you guys, there's so much that has happened in a week. I feel like I'm in some kind of weird time warp. I'm still having such a difficult time feeling like that we are on an endless weekend. And I cannot believe that it's here again. I, I feel like, Monday. Oh, it's, this is going to be, we're going to be right back on Friday again. Like mm -hmm. anyway, once again, here in Alberta, I sort of keep a t tabs on Ontario, but our numbers are going up. Uh, Hutterite colony here with 50 or 60 new cases. Uh, Hutterite colony, for those of you that don't know what a Hutterite is, they are a European uh, origin and it's kind of like Mennonites, if that rings any bells for yep. people, or the Amish. So, and most people know what the Amish is. So, obviously, they're tight-knit communities, um, very kind of religious-based. I think it's safe for me to go out there and say they are religious-based. And um, so you can imagine it's a perfect storm for a communicable, very contagious disease like COVID-19. So, but our numbers are generally going up everywhere. It's disappointing. Our province is mandating masks in indoor spaces, August the 1st. You cannot enter into an indoor space. I mean, bakery, gas station to pay, uh, Walmart, grocery stores, banks, you must have a mask and you can be refused service. Thoughts? We have had that here in Ontario for a little while now, and it feels like for the most part, I haven't seen any of the, I feel sorry, my apologies go out in advance to anyone named Karen, but they keep calling them the like COVID Karens, the people who are freaking out about being asked to wear a mask if they're, if they're asked to wear one or denied service. I haven't seen any of that. I've seen most people being really compliant. So that's been standard practice here in Ontario for a while. Our cases you know, they're, they, for a while, they're, they're trending steadily at, you know, 150 or less new cases per day. We've had a few off days, but I did see that Alberta had, I think since July 14th, and your numbers were really low for a while there, uh, since July 14th, 500 new cases. And, you know, part of it are these hot spots that pick up. Um, in BC, the hotspot area is Kelowna, because they said there were some parties and events that were happening in the Kelowna of region. Course. So they started seeing an uptick in cases and it just, I think it's part of this, this tiptoeing back into reopening that a lot of people expect that these things will happen and that they're going to have to make adjustments uh, in the rules once you see the numbers go up. So places where it was really low, like Alberta, maybe now, like you said, they're just going to mandate masks the same way we've had here for a while. Toronto is such a densely populated place that like, I think maybe it came here a little bit faster because they knew that if we don't stay right on top of things, it can get it could get out of hand at any time, really. 
Well, I mean, I'm very cautious to point fingers. You know, there's a, there's a part of my personality that does, my ire does raise slightly because I do get angry, but I also know we're dealing with an invisible disease. Nobody goes out intentionally wanting to get COVID or thinking that they're going to get it. And so much of this comes from fear. Don't you think guys, you know, of of just kind of being in denial, like when you, when you can't see something, it's so difficult to understand viral contagions because we don't see it. You know, we can hear it in a sneeze or hear it in a cough. That's kind of our, our sonic signature of this thing. You know, no one wants to be around anybody freaking coughing right now. But um, the other part of it is just the, the, there's no visual to it. It's not like it turns purple in the sky and is floating around and you, you skirt around the purple cloud on the street. It doesn't work that way. Um, but yeah, it's really hard not to get mad, but it is once again, statistically, they're saying that it's young people, an age group of like from 18 to 40 years old that are gathering in groups you know, they feel invincible, that whole thing about being immortal when you're young. Mm-hmm. La, la, la. I saw it was an interesting tweet and it made me think because I've been going over all these statistics and uh, it, this tweet goes viral and uh, it's, it's from, a, I would assume, a, a young woman in that age category. And she said, very annoyed by this, quote, disappointed conservative narrative about new cases and folks under 39 being chalked up to feeling invincible when you reopened our workplaces, told us we were lazy for using CERB, offered zero rent relief, and lists off all the stuff because it's become this like talking point now. I think for some conservative politicians, which she was kind of like singling out there. And, you know, that's the problem with mixed messaging. And that's why whenever you sort of walk back, we talk about it a lot on our show when it comes to the airlines, you know, you tell everybody we're closing the borders. And then you hear about all these stories about people coming through on busy packed planes and then bringing COVID back into Canada or moving it from one province to another, whatever the case is. It's that mixed messaging with people where um, I think that's when you start to allow for these hotspots to pop up. So when you tell everybody, hey, you're going to have to go back to work if your employer has deemed it safe for you to go back to work in, oh, I don't know, a meatpacking facility and you deny going back, we'll revoke your CERB. If you tell people then also you're going to remove rent protection, you add in another layer of they're probably just going to go back to work and risk it. Um, You know, when you have all the cases where there were spots around uh, the U.S. and here in Canada where it took a while for ride sharing to make masks mandatory. So uh, the morning show I work on, we had Uber drivers who were listening and they'd write in and say, we really want masks to be mandatory. We want to be able to deny a ride to somebody if they don't show up with a mask on, which now thankfully they can do. Yeah. But for a while there, you couldn't. And so it's all that mixed messaging. And what it does is it makes people say, you know what, I'm going to decide for myself because nobody knows what the heck they're talking about. And so that's when everyone decides, you know, what we should do is is bump and grind down at Woodbine Beach here in Toronto with like 2000 of our closest friends. And so I just would love it. I know it's probably hard to do if everyone could just sort of stay on message. If the government could just stay on message across the board, it would be, it would be a lot easier. But that has been the problem since the beginning, Caitlin, Mm -hmm. is that the messaging has been at best, um, very confusing. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the from the onset of this, we didn't really know what we were facing. When lockdown first happened, there was an incredible amount of fear and apprehension, anxiety. Um, you know, kids were freaking out and losing sleep and 
having nightmares and all the stuff that is associated with the first pandemic that we've ever experienced. Yeah. So there was a lot of baggage that came along with this, but it, it, it helped. It's been so all over the place. And then, you know, because of the internet, we've all had the opportunity to look at other countries. You know, at first we were looking at Wuhan and what was happening in China because that was ground zero. And then we switched our, our focus to Italy, Spain. Then we switched our focus to, you know, the UK and what was happening, you know, in London. Um, and we just, so we were com comparing all these things and I think people were going, oh, well, it's just not that bad here. So that was part of the problem too. It's like, oh no, we've got hospital beds. They're not filled yet. And, and it's, the thinking was the virus isn't that bad here. It's not as potent as it was over there. Like I literally had friends saying to me, oh yeah, I, it's a different virus over there. Like it's way more potent in, uh, in Italy and the UK than it is here. I'm like, are you, are you like, what are you saying to me? So it's terribly frustrating. I don't want to fight with my friends, but it's no. just like, you got to get off Facebook. You got to get off Facebook. And I also think we're living in a time across the board where for whatever reason, and again, I think it is partially because of the internet and people just Google something and they don't know the source, et cetera, et cetera. But people are afraid to admit and say, you know, actually, I don't know. I don't understand an infectious disease to the same degree as an infectious disease expert, an epidemiologist, a scientist, whoever. Everybody knows best and nobody wants to admit that they don't know. And a lot of people get this gut feeling and then they Google things specifically to reinforce their gut feeling or their desire. And then they get to find this sort of, you know, kind of biased set of evidence, according to them, um, that reinforces, you know, the information they were looking for in the first place. And then they, everybody argues online when, frankly, there are people who devote their entire life to studying this. And yeah. I think that's why I, one thing I will say is I, I do feel like across the board, politicians in Canada have done a really good job of yes. listening to health experts. They let them lead with science and lead with their recommendations that much I'm very thankful for. Um, it's just the little things here and there, like when it comes to travel and, you know, everyone's like, yeah, let's rush to open bars, but not schools. And yeah. I think, are... I think when I'm talking about the confusing part, it, it is that. And like you yeah. said, you know, the CERB payments going away, the rent protection going away, you know, it, the, those really are conflicting. The messages are conflicting. Um, but I think there is common sense that has to be exercised at the end of the day. And that is, yes, we're asking you to go to work, but we also are trusting your workplace to make sure that social distancing is placed, that the stuff that is normally stored in the fridge, you know, you can't do that anymore. You can't go grab people's stuff. You can't congregate at the water cooler and talk about episodes of, you know, blind love every morning <laughs> and, you know, so I think that's expected that, no, you, you owe it to your community, to your families, to, your, to the senior citizens in your life. All of those things still have to stay in place. So if people are taking that message, like, yeah, we have to go to, back to work, that everything's status quo. I mean, my friend is in HR at a little city called Cochrane here in Alberta, and they're only allowing certain people back on certain days, which I think is great. And their desks are far apart. Mm -hmm. And the entire... Uh, geography of how they used to do business in this office is completely been changed. So yeah, they're back at work, but they're taking shifts. They're, they're doing all this stuff and they're still masking when there's 10 people sitting around a boardroom table. There's, they're apart, but they're also masking. And I like that. They're not just anyway. 
we've got lots to talk about today. I swear to you, people, it's not all going to be COVID-19. In fact, we're moving on to way more good, like, celebrity <laughs> things, aren't we? Okay, we'll yeah, be back. Sure. You're listening. You're like, sure. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. We, um, we're happy to be back and chatting with each other. We're still working from home. We're still probably, I've worn the same three shirts for four months, and I'm, yeah. I am not exaggerating. I wash it and I have my rotation. So I always have either my red one or I have kind of a black one that's now gray. The letters are falling off of it. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of sad. Have you heard the term body mullet? Okay, that sounds really exactly what it is. <laughs> okay, so there was this whole the New York <laughs> the New Yorker released this this kind of comedy article, and it's you know a new list of like words from the pandemic. Anyways, I picked my favorite one, and that was body mullet. And it said what most people wear on Zoom calls. It's the body mullet, which means a nice top and below the waist underwear, sweatpants, bike shorts, or even less. So the gist of it is business up top, party down below, like a mullet. I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. I was totally wearing pajama pants and I was wearing a dress shirt and a, like a jacket. I had a thing I had to do. It was the only, it was the one and only time I've dressed up in anything fancier than sweatpants in the past four months. It's great. And I remember at the start of the pandemic, Walmart announced they were giving some sort of information on sales and they said, shirt sales are through the roof and then silence on pants because everybody is not wearing pants on their work calls. Well, I, I, uh, periodically throw on my like smaller pair of jeans. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will honestly say that I've made a concerted effort to just make sure that I'm okay. So I've lost six and a half pounds in the last 41 days, which is not a lot. That's normal. No, but I just thought that was the extra kind of thing going on. And since I lost a lot of weight a few years ago, I just am really mindful of it. And I know my body, like even putting my pants on and feeling like "Mm, these just do not feel the same way they did. So I really hunkered down, not being hard on myself, but just taking that extra walk after dinner at night and making sure that I'm doing way more vegetables. And so, yeah, I I just, I don't want to go there. I don't want to just throw everything out the window and just say, screw it. And at first I did, I have to be honest, like I was eating Doritos and (laughs) hickory sticks and, and uh, non-dairy ice cream like three times a week, but not doing that now. Yeah. I think that was everyone's normal adjustment cycle seemed to be that they were letting themselves kind of do whatever they want. Everybody was living and acting as if it was the week between Christmas and New Year's. Nobody got out of their pajamas. <laughs> you were just living off of junk food, watching TV all the time. It was great. And it was a really good coping mechanism for a lot of people because it was so stressful so fast. And now that it feels a bit more like this pandemic is part of our everyday life, I think it's allowed people to go back to working out. But you've always been good about working out. Like you work out at home and I see what you cook and make on your Instagram and stuff. And like, you're mostly making pretty healthy food and you're cooking it yourself. You're not on Uber Eats every night. Hey, it's very easy for vegans to default to let's get the fryer out. (laughs) I'm going to deep fry this broccoli. Like, oh, yeah. oh, cauliflower would be great deep fly. Let's make buffalo wing cauliflower. <laughs> oh, that's like, the best. I don't I it. think it's, it's any less calories or fat than a chicken wing, but nobody dies. So I'm all for that. <laughs> uh, nobody dies except for you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> from the fat. But yeah, it's, um, 
I think we've all realized how important food is. I think it was always important in our culture, but the fact that, listen, I, I don't know if overeating is any better than overdrinking. Like I really feel like, yeah. you know, all those tests that they've done on liver function, um, people can get really sick. Their livers can get sick from overeating and eating improperly. Let's face it. The same as alcohol. Like anytime your body has to do extra work, anyhow, I'm not going to get into all that. It Food is friggin' fun. It's awesome. <laughs> no one should beat themselves up about, about eating things that they enjoy. And you know, that whole adage, moderation and that's what I'll always do. Like, I am never going to give up chips. I'm never going to give up, like, the non-dairy dessert stuff or friggin' cake. I mean, <laughs> I made brownies yesterday. I had my uh, a friend came over for a visit uh, with his kids, and we walked down to the river at my place, and, and I made a pan of brownies, and I just ate a corner of the really chewy oh. part that's against the pan. Um. Yeah, I just, do you guys discover any like new favorite foods in this whole thing? Well, I discovered, a, well, a lot, but I discovered actually <laughs> very recently a new, not a new, it's a, but it's a, it's a New York Times bestseller. It's not like an indie success story. It's very popular. It's by a cook named Alison Roman and uh, it's a called cookbook? Nothing. Yeah, it's a cookbook called okay. Nothing Fancy. And yeah, the author is Alison Roman. She's very, very popular. She's known for writing for the New York Times, a Bon Appetit. And what she does is, um, she just takes these big meals that you would make for like a group of people It's for having people over. And instead I'll have to pare it down or just to t tell yourself you're going to have leftovers. And I made a bunch of recipes while we were on vacation. So I bought, what did the you make? so I made this really delicious cornmeal blackberry cake. Oh, and God. the way she describes it is that it's a snacking cake, which I think is perfect because it means you can have it with coffee. You could have it after lunch. Like you can have it at any point in the day and you're going to really like it. Alison Roman. Alison Roman. She's a, she's a genius. And I made a cauliflower gratin oh. and I made, what else did I make? I made a bunch of stuff. It's all so good. Her food is incredible. I cannot recommend her book highly enough. Uh, maybe she could sponsor our podcast. <gasps> or maybe, maybe her cookbook company We'll talk about one of your recipes every week. <laughs> yeah. Like we'd even take my doll at this point, honestly. <laughs> one thing I will say, and I, this man turn away if you have to, I was talking to a couple of my female friends who are both similar of age in my, in their fifties. We were talking about how friggin' grateful we were to not have periods. During oh, I COVID. bet. Like just like even having to go out and find like, feminine protection or whatever. We had this long conversation about, well, one good thing, we don't have our periods during COVID. <laughs> and I'm like, so great. And a couple of my friends have gotten pregnant during the last four months. My younger yeah. pals, my one friend is 39 years old and is pregnant. And she got pregnant in April. And yeah. I'm like, Darling, I mean, I shouldn't say her name. <laughs> I was just going to say. She's like, um, I'll beep it oh, out. It's, it's not a D. It's a B. No, you can leave yeah. that. She'll never figure it. It sounds like Dar. <laughs> it's Dar. But I'm just like 39 years old. They do have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. But I'm just like, oh, my God, you guys are out of the woods. So it's COVID. Yeah. There's some COVID loving going on. There and, is. Well, they, you know what they're and, calling all the kids that are going to be born are called coronials instead of millennials. <laughs> they're called coronials. So she's having a cute little coronial. And I'm impressed this is her third because the big joke was that the only coronials that were going to be born were first kids, not second or third, because the parents who were home with their kids all day are like never doing this again. <laughs> 
Well, on that happy note, you're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. <laughs> We're going to be right back. There's still lots ahead. I'm Jan. I'm with Caitlin and Adam in their respective homes in Ontario. Uh, I'm just going to say it. I do not like public displays of affection. I don't like, like, tonsil hockey in a restaurant when people are leaning over a table and kissing. I don't mind a peck on the cheek, but I don't like all of that stuff. I like a, a hand on the small of a back, which is a respectful, gentle kind of a gesture to somebody. I don't like it when the hand migrates down onto a, a, a gentle cupping of buttock. Don't like it. I just don't like it. It's gross. And it's Thank just... You. A- because the the hand on the butt is gross and it's just a few inches, but it makes a really big difference. It's the difference between looking at a couple walking down the street and going, aw, and then looking at the couple and going, well, that's disgusting. Yes. (laughs) I'm with you. A hundred percent. I'm with you. Thank you. Well, coming from a man, Adam, expand on that. Like, so I'm not big on public displays of affection, seeing it or doing it. Like I don't eat like holding hands. Yes, for sure. But like, that is it. Nothing past that. But like, making out in public i don't want to see it even like on social media like you know is it girlfriend partner wife husband whatever like i don't want to see you making out i don't want to see like your profile picture of you guys making out i I don't want to it's uncomfortable for me i mean that's fine if you make out but i don't know if like i don't know if everybody wants to see we're gonna make people mad i know in a deep embrace like like i'm scrolling through and that's your pup that's your facebook profile picture i don't know that's just my opinion but i don't I don't want to see it. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Nothing, nothing worse than seeing hammered people making out. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, that's not People pretty. clearly intoxicated. But I don't know, and I keep thinking, do I have some kind of a glitch in my machinery? And I don't I, – I think hand-holding is great. I'm always one of those people going, ah. Like, my mom and dad were very, never demonstrative. I didn't grow up in a house where my mom and dad were kissing each other or hugging or anything like that. And I feel like I was robbed of that kind of experience, especially with your parents. I just didn't see it. But when they were older, I remember taking them on their 50th wedding anniversary. We went on a Mediterranean kind of an adventure on a cruise. And we were in Spain. And my mom and dad were just on the edge of still kind of being well. But I I remember them holding hands going down this beautiful street in Spain by the Gaudi Church. And I will never forget it. And it made me burst out crying. I could see them coming from this little cafe holding. My dad had a bag in his hand from shopping, but they were holding hands. And I'm like, I have never in my life seen them holding hands. So that was a real, I don't know. It was such an odd moment for me because I didn't see it growing up. Is that my problem? With public displays of affection? Well, I think that there seems to be, there's a largely universal response to seeing love and everyone likes seeing that. People like seeing someone in love and if it's sweet and it indicates your care for someone and you're considerate, I think that's very nice. I don't think everybody wants to imagine people having sex. I don't think people <laughs> really are into that. And so when you cross over like from the like, oh, they're in love to, oh, maybe they just met on an app. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think that's where people sort of draw the line. It becomes unromantic. I don't want to know too much. And that brings us to the topic, like you were saying, Adam, of like public displays of affection have now obviously, as everything has, gone over into social media. Yeah. Where, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. 
posting everything about your personal life, posting everything about your partner, posting everything about your relationship. Um, does it come across as inauthentic? Is it performative? Is it real? Who's it really for? You know, um, how much is too much? When's the right time to post things? Like it's hard to say for some people, they post clearly a lot. And I find it makes me disregard things altogether. Cause I'm like, it's just whose account is this? Is this your account or is it an account dedicated to you being in a relationship? I think it's just too personal. Like it doesn't, it doesn't gross me out per se to like see two people kissing. Certainly like, you know, if I go to a wedding and it's like, you may now kiss the bride and they kiss in front of everyone. Like that's fine. Of course. But like, just like, there's a still picture of the two people just in a deep embrace. It's not always the prettiest embrace. And I just feel like I'm intruding on your moment and I shouldn't be seeing this. Well, in some countries it's against the law. <gasps> what? It is yeah. uh, like that. Any kind of that's deemed like inappropriate. So I don't think it should ever, ever be the government having no. anything to do with that. I think it's oh, God. No. I think that is. I mean, obviously, someone you know higher up, and I forget what country it was, and I don't want to just. I just was reading about this recently, um, of what country it was where you can't do that. You can't. I'm going to find out, guys. Um, Adam, maybe look it up. Countries that don't allow public kissing. I'm on it. Or affection. He's on it. Anyway, like you said with Instagram, I know Justin Bieber goes off about Haley Baldwin all the time and that God, you know, there's a lot of religious overtones. But recently, Nick Jonas was wishing his uh, wife, um, Priyanka Chopra, you know, a happy birthday. And it, it just went on about, I could stare into your eyes forever, he says. I love you, baby. You are the most thoughtful, caring, and wonderful person I have ever met. I am so grateful we found one another. Happy birthday, beautiful. Okay. Um, I, is it necessary? Uh, can he just say that to her in private? I give people a little bit of wiggle room around major life events. So, you know, birthday, anniversary, birth of a child, you know, something special to you, whatever. Those things I don't mind as much. I don't know. I mean, me personally, I don't love a, I could look into your eyes forever. It's a bit of a, uh, for me, but that's just like, that's me being a curmudgeon. So that's fine. Whatever. It's probably no, I just my think own. we're terrible. I think we're curmudgeon-y. <laughs> Adam, did you find it? Yes. You what, want to hear these? There's more yes. than one. There's more than one. Okay. I knew this. Uh, go. Okay. Well, there's a few. Uh, Dubai. That's, okay. that's the, what I was reading about was Dubai. Illegal. You can't. Yeah. Illegal. It's illegal. It's not even shamed, like it's not even looked down upon. It's illegal. That's uh, terrible. China, public displays of affection are not the norm. China, China in general? No, it doesn't say illegal. It says considered taboo. University of Zimbabwe. Students can be expelled for PDAs. Uh, rural Vietnam, Catholic mass around the world. Okay, well. Qatar, India, Indonesia, Catholic, and Catholic mass around the world. So you don't well, want to be you don't want to be fondling in the church pews. Right. Okay. I think we knew that. And finally, Thailand kissing in public. I'm reading this is a major no no. Yeah. While hand holding is acceptable, but yeah. So wow. there you go. Huh? Yeah. No. I mean, like, I don't want the government telling people that they can't kiss. That to me is just I'm not a fan personally. 
Um, but yeah, the performative nature of like posting so much stuff about your relationship, it always, it's, it always becomes a topic of conversation. It's come up on the show I work on before in my personal life with my friends. Everyone knows that couple that constantly posts about how in love they are and all that stuff. And I think it becomes tiresome. Yeah. Adam's making a gag. (laughs) Now on the, on the other side of this coin, I want to tell you how touching it is for me to see a couple of men holding hands and going down, uh, like just, just walking down the street for women to be holding hands, going down the street for mothers and daughters. Uh, and I really like that. I love the freedom in that expression. And I just want to say, like, I don't want to see anybody necking, like, like <laughs> really full on kissing. I don't care. Man, woman, woman, two guys, two women. It doesn't matter. I have no stipulation on that. It is just the action in and of itself in general. I just wanted to say that because I don't want people thinking that I love seeing guys like holding hands or women holding hands and being out and able to touch each other's arms and, and be affectionate. So I hope everyone understands the line that is being drawn here. Um, Cause I certainly don't ever want to take that away from uh, something that people have fought very, very hard to, to be able to do. Yeah. Um, do yeah. you guys have anyone that you know in your personal life who's like a Priyanka and Nick where they like constantly post stuff about their relationship on their socials? I don't. You don't? Oh, lucky no. you. Adam's making a face like he does have this. I've seen a few. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it depends, I guess, on the person. Like, like, depends on the nature of the post. It doesn't always bother me. But I have seen some pretty gushy stuff. I'm like, why wouldn't you just write that in a card? Okay, Meredith Shaw, I'm outing oh. you. Damn you, Meredith Shaw. It's just because I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you and your chef handsome boyfriend. Screw you guys. We'll give Meredith and Rod a pass because she lives with the chef. Plus, they actually have a TV show together. So I would say if you're like, uh, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines, the couple that have the renovation show, if you work together, that's a little different than if you, you know, if you're not actually promoting a specific project that you have as a couple. But I do really wish that I lived with a chef. I'll say that. (laughs) Screw you, Meredith and Rod. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Janard Podcast. Welcome back. You should hear what we talk about when we just take these little mini pauses to just recalibrate. Um, (laughs) Further to where we're already at, because we're not, I I don't want to move off of this yet with public displays of affection. I mean, then you take it one step further, which we were just freaking talking about of people telling you like close friends, relatives, perhaps siblings, perhaps like stepmothers, uh, telling you how much intimate physical interactions they're having. I don't want to hear about it. I stopped my friend. This is quite a few years ago in her tracks. She was talking about something that had happened in a hot tub. Oh, and no, seriously. And I I was sitting there and this is in the middle of the day. And I said, no, no, I'm going to stop you right there. I said, I can't, I just can't talk about this. And I really hurt her feelings. She was just, she looked at me like, I'm just sharing kind of thing. No, no, don't. I don't want to know about it. I don't mind hearing. Oh yeah. You know, we finally, we had some time last night, but leave it there. I don't want to hear past that. Like even that's pushing it. Well, first of all, I want to say that you should have no activity like that in a hot tub because it's going to create a medical issue. So there you go. We're going to start you. there. 
number one for women, it's a one-way street. So I don't think that's an advisable thing. If I, I'm no doctor, you're going to hurt your private parts. Yeah, I'm no doctor, but you know, like let's just no, that's a non-starter. Um, but yeah, and I also think sometimes because again, maybe I maybe everyone doesn't have this friend, but I feel like I've always had one or two of these friends where they're constantly telling you about how much hooking up they're doing or their Ugh. latest their latest hookup or details of it. And it's, I almost at a point start to think, mm, I don't believe you. <laughs> like, like you're, you're talking about this to the point where I think you're compensating. Yeah. I think that if you were having as much fun as you say you're having, I wouldn't be hearing about it all the time. I have no desire to talk about my intimate interactions with anybody. Like I have a sex tape. I will admit to that, but I'm the only person in it. <laughs> and it's really sad. Okay, that was my little joke. So our discomfort comes from what? Let's just dive into this a little bit more. Is it because we are so, like we're not like the Europeans here. I know in Europe, sex, sexuality is a far more open topic than it is here. So maybe when you do hear a girlfriend or a guy friend talking to you about stuff that I don't want to hear about, uh, maybe I've got issues. Like, do I have issues? I mean, again, I'm no doctor. <laughs> um, but I certainly have no problem with friends asking you like legitimate questions or, or wanting to talk to you about something specific, you know, maybe they're having intimacy issues with their partner. Okay. Um, you know, I have no problem talking about those types of things because I feel like it's meaningful and it's, it's something you, your friends might want to share with you or they want your insight. That, that to me feels like a conversation that can easily happen with friends. When someone's okay. just bragging at a party, I just have nothing to add to it. Like it's a conversation stopper. I hate things that grind a conversation amongst a group of people to a halt. So if all of a sudden I'm hearing about your latest, you know, Tinder or grinder hookup, and then there's this pause and I'm like, cool, well, good. I'm glad <laughs> you enjoy that specific activity as much as you do. And so does this person that you've known for all of five minutes. And then I might have to meet them. I'm glad I know this about that stranger as well. Like, what? Well, you know, further than that, you're thinking, like, if I ever did in the future have a relationship of some form, you know, I, I'm, I don't even want that in my life right now. I'm not trying to be all, oh, yuck, yuck. I mean, I, whatever happens, I'm hoping that I'm not by myself for the rest of my life. But I worry about, so, so you do get into a relationship with somebody and you do decide to have a physical aspect to that relationship. Can you trust that person to not go to their friends and explain, oh, and then we did this and then that happened and she was really like this. Like, I am mortified. I don't know if I can enter back into that arena of whatever. Yeah, it's, it is a risk, of course. It must be, I wondered, is it different for you because you're kind of a public person? Yes! It must be because, I mean, who cares? Like, for me, it's like, who cares? Like, I, w I don't know. I mean, I'm married forever, but it's just one of those things where I don't think anyone would care about talking about me specifically. But I think if somebody hooked up with, like, oh, I hooked up with Jan Arden, then they all of a sudden have a story to tell. I, you're right. I would be very wary of that. No, it is. I'm very, I am very leery. Like, I, it's not like I've... I mean, I've been single for four years, so uh, four and a half. It's heading yeah. towards five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. But, uh, but I've never, 
And I'm, I say this in all earnestness. I've never felt happier because I haven't jumped from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. I've actually taken pause and I'm really enjoying my friendships and I, and I am, I'm not 25 anymore. I'm not on some kind of hormonal rage, mm-hmm. like it, it, clubbing every night. I'm 58 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of over that part of my life. And maybe a lot of people would disagree with me. They say women have the best sex of their lives when they hit 60. Like, oh. I don't know. I'm no doctor. <laughs> That'll be the theme of our show Wait, today. that should be the title of this episode. It's just, <laughs> I'm no doctor. Just let's put it out there. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, Caitlin. I... You know, I, I have had nightmare stories about some of my pals. I don't know a lot of celebrities that, oh gosh, I so want to name her name, but she actually had a lawsuit. Um, this was a few years ago. It was her husband that she was married to um, had cameras all over the house that <gasps> she did not know about. Not kidding you. This is a, quite a famous Canadian oh. rocker. And I'll just put that there. And... Uh, Lots of court stuff, hideous things. Yes, they were married, but what he did was illegal. What he did was completely immoral, and he filmed them all over the house, and she didn't know. He had thousands and thousands of hours of footage. So think about that for a second. Well, and then we always hear about these stories now where, you know, and I, I know it's so common and it, it, it's not something I experienced when I was younger because I luckily just made it past the era of, you know, cell phone cameras, but the nude photo thing, right? And it's a, it's a situation that a lot of people enter into where they send somebody that they don't know very well nude photos. It's a bit of a currency exchange in, in the early days of dating. Check and your phones. I'm sending one of my, me right now. Yes. Yeah, send so nudes from there. Perfect. <laughs> so, but and it happens. So I'm not, I'm certainly not judging anyone who does it at all because I know that it's incredibly common and I don't want to be one of those people that says, well, just never do it because that's not realistic. So I know people do it, but I just think that I would be so afraid. I don't know how you would conceal you. First of all, you could never show your face. I mean, I would never want to show my face. Just I remember- show your vagina and your penis. Don't ever show <laughs> your face. This is the secret. And make Adam, do- stop blushing. But I'm just saying, if you're going to do that, S-H-A-T, yeah. um, just don't have your, your, Caitlin, you're absolutely right. Like send stuff, but never your head or yeah. it, for God's sakes, nothing like if your inner thigh has a birthmark, blotch it out before you send a picture of your ding dong. If you have a very specific tattoo, perhaps you don't <laughs> want to include that in the photo, like these types of things. Not stuff that I feel lucky. I didn't have to deal with that when I was dating when I was younger. I probably would have made a litany of errors along the way if I had of. So I'm no better off than anyone else. I just was born in a different decade. But uh, it's, it's Reese Witherspoon actually said that she did a VMA acceptance speech and I think she was drunk. She was being really hilarious. <laughs> and she's talking about advice that she's giving to younger generations. Yeah. And she's like, and I just want to say that if you have a sex tape, hide your face. Like she's like, hide your face and, and record it on a VHS cassette so you can keep it under your bed. And it was just very funny. And I thought, you know, it's kind of good advice. Well, I mean, I have a lot of confidence as I say this, there is absolutely nothing like that that has ever been in existence in my life. (laughs) And I have been in live, I've been alive long enough. I was pre-internet and during the internet and have had relationships on both sides of that fence. And I have never ever engaged in my knowledge 
with any of that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Whatever blows your skirt up, yep. you know, go do it. I'm not here to say, you know, you, you have to be your own judge, but for the younger folks that I'm sure are not listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> you, you're right. Let I me mean, be mindful and make choices that, that the internet is permanent and it's forever. And, and you're putting a lot of trust in someone ultimately, right? Especially if think, you don't know them, but you yeah. know, here, here's my friend who was married for years and this is what her partner was doing. And I know that's very rare and, mm-hmm. and a very bad person that did that. But can you even fathom that, Caitlin? No. In my like, mind, I was trying to think of a suitable punishment for this person as kitchen, we were discussing bathroom, it. Kitchen, bathroom, living room, balcony. Um, I just, oh gosh. Do you want me to really freak everyone out now? I'm going yes, to. Yes, please. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's commit to this show. A friend of mine was given a notification. So he's a member at a gym. It's a very popular gym here in Toronto. And he was um, informed that he had been, there's a chance that he was one of many gym members who was filmed in the shower. Oh, and no. somebody had put up a gym, like a, a, a camera GoPro? in one of these. Yeah, well, smaller than that, right? Because nobody could, nobody could see it. So they managed to conceal it, whether it was in a light or it was somewhere. Anyway, so they hit it. And they had been like essentially live streaming it to these websites of just men in these showers in these communal showers. And I, I have a weird, also I have a weird hidden camera thing where I'm afraid of cameras being anywhere. And so um, I always think about it at hotels and Airbnbs I stay in. Like I always try to check the quote unquote telltale spots for them. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I heard this story from my friend about his gym shower. Well, we only have like 30 seconds left in the show. How the show. heck do we wrap this up Listen, <laughs> this is how we wrap it up. We, we wrap it up by saying, listen, check under the bed. Check everywhere. <laughs> check in the cupboards. Um, but I, the, well, I'm very safe. Like if anyone had a camera in my house, it would be the most boring stream they ever saw in their life. It would be me feeding the dog, uh, feeding, you know, uh, the, the birds, and uh, generally preparing three meals a day. So welcome to my world. Uh, I'm not even nude alone, so I feel very safe about that. I shower fully clothed. Oh, and so never anyone, nude. <laughs> anyone that's thinking about it, anyways, you've been listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. We want to thank you guys for joining us week after week after week. We hope you're having fun. This was uh, a great show, guys. Adam, uh, Caitlin, thank you. Next week, it's going to be more sex talk. This is, this is how we're going to get <laughs> listeners. So join us next week for... Places that you can hide your own cameras. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Until next time, tune do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.